the word that always gets under my skin is the grind, right? If your job is a grind, that is a grating and wearing down adjective. Like, why do you want something that is grating and wearing you down? Why do you not want something that is fulfilling and building you up and making you larger? So that's why I think it's important to ignite those passions to ultimately to fulfill yourself and lead your best life. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, your host and a coach here at Quantivos. And our guest today is Sean Tyler Foley. You may recognize that name, and we'll get into why you might recognize that name in a few moments. Sean, as I was reading your materials, a few of the phrases really jumped out and said, I want to meet this guy. I want to have a conversation with this guy. You talked about finding your passion. You talked about story and storytelling. You talked about be heard and understood. And what really grabbed me is empower our audience on their pursuit of living their best life. Welcome, Tyler. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to our, our conversation, especially as you'd mentioned, you know, all of that is a uh, passion of mine through 35 years of performance and, the, and similar to you, the various different uh, career paths that we both have journeyed on, me in particular, I, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So thank you for having me on. What drives you to urge people to find their passion? Well, because I have always had the opportunity within my life to do it. And I have been blessed to have a very rewarding, very fulfilling life. And I didn't realize that most people didn't lead the life that I led or am leading. And, you know, to see people who have no fire, have no passion with what they're doing or just logging through because they think that they have to and not exploring the, the possibilities that are out there, it almost hurts my soul to see because I'm like, no, you can do these things. Like it, it, it is very possible to pursue your passions, to find those opportunities within those passions to lead a fulfilling and successful life. And I think so many people have a misconception within their head uh, of what that entails that they don't seek outside to look at what could do. So for me, having been afforded the opportunity to really flourish and blossom with all of the different passions that I've had in life and to be able to pursue them without any restriction is why I want to show other people how they can do it as well. I'm on board with you. And I think the other piece for me that I so often encounter is this mindset that I have to work. And what work means is suffering and sort of slogging through and looking forward to that vacation, looking forward to that holiday and looking forward to that retirement. Yes. 
like you, and it took me actually, I think about two decades to realize that what I was doing was my passion and it was showing up across industries, across jobs, but it was always something I could reach for and achieve. You started young. Mm -hmm. How young? Six years old was the first time I earned a paycheck. <laughs> and it, uh, as a, and a decent one at that too, as a as an actor on film and television and stage, uh, I was very lucky to start at a young age when not a lot of people are doing it, and that allowed me to continue doing it with uh, a fairly extensive resume. When most people are usually just starting out, you know, in my late teens, I'd already been in dozens of productions and a couple of uh, film and television shows, so. I was, I was very lucky. So yeah, six years old, I started and now I've been in the performing arts for uh, going on this, what, 37 years now. Sean, not all of your experience has been in performance though. No. Where else has your passion taken you? I had been performing for 20 years uh, at this point, about 25. I'd grown very complacent with the craft and with performance and acting and just the lifestyle in general. And so I decided to retire. And the beautiful thing about growing up in the industry is that uh, the majority of the money that I was making before I was 18 uh, had to go into trust. And so I had a very healthy trust fund. It wasn't something that was, you know, mega rich, but it had regular contributions. My mom was an accountant and um, she... It was very, very smart with money. And so she had put it in a trust fund and was further smart not to have it unlocked to me at 18. Uh, it didn't become available to me until I was 25, which is good because at 18, I would have blown it on uh, goalie gear and Lego. So I was able to uh, go back to school and I got an engineering discipline uh, specialized in photogrammetry. My uncle was a photogrammetrist. My other uncle was a photogrammetrist and cartographer. My grandfather was a surveyor. So earth study and map making was always kind of part of the bloodline. One of the first jobs that I had when I moved out to Vancouver, which is kind of the epicenter of film for Canada, was working at my uncle's mapping shop, scanning aerial photography. And I just fell in love with the idea that you could make maps from pictures on the ground, that they didn't just have to be hand-drawn, that they could be photorealistic and, and accurate. Uh, so anybody who's ever used Google Earth or Google Maps and has turned on satellite view, I used to scan the images that made that. And then later on in my career, actually put those together. So I had gone back to school to specialize in geomatics and really, really hone in on photogrammetry as a skill. Again, it combined all those passions. I absolutely loved planes. I, I remember being three years old the first time I ever got to fly in a plane, and it was my uncle's crop duster. And I grew up in a very rural community, and you know, my uncle had a biplane, an old, old World War I biplane that he still used as a crop duster. And so I got to sit in the back seat, in the gunner seat, and he would fly the the plane and I could look out and it was low altitude. You know, we were never more than maybe a thousand feet in the air, but it just felt so freeing to me. And so I fell in love with planes at that point. And I, you know, I've worked for major airlines. Then when I got to start my own business, I had a fleet of three planes. So I got to dabble in, in that industry as well, which was phenomenal. So as I'm listening to you, I'm curious, what is the common thread besides passion? What what are those passions that 
fueled you through your journey? I honestly, if I had to pick one theme, it would be the performance of it. And I, th I know that sounds kind of disconnected from what I just explained, but uh, maybe even almost the social nature of it, the connections with, with other people. One of the things that I enjoyed the most about working on stage and then in film and television is the collaboration and it's seeing, you know, multiple things come together and working on projects and you do it and then, and then it's done. That project is done. It goes off and then you go to something new. And then when I got to do, when I started my own business, even when I was in uh, university going and studying for it, I, you know, I was head of the student council. I ran the club, the geomatics club for our program. I ended up being valedictorian. I was a tutor for our uh, program. And part of that was leadership. But most of it was just to be able to connection and to teach. I love teaching. I love being able to help guide other people. I love being a connector. So I find that that, that common thread within all of those industries is uh, partially the start and stop nature of it. Uh, particularly with geomatics, you you scan an area, you, you're told, go map this particular thing. And as a project and you do it with stage, I'm going on, we're going to perform this show for this period of time. You're going to do these things for this period of time. And then it resets and then it's something new. So it's always something new. It's that refreshing part of the nature of that business where there is a constant cycle of beginning and end, beginning and end. And being able to do something new and find new quirks within it each time, I think is the common thread through all of the things that I've done. Like even now as a safety consultant and a speaker and an author, I always have a new project. The project comes, the project goes, and then we're on to the new thing while maintaining connections and relationships. Because oftentimes I'm doing, I have repeat clients. So I'm doing audits or program evaluations for repeat clients year after year after year, or right now I'm producing a musical and I'm producing the musical with the playwright and composer that I acted in her previous production. And I just really enjoyed her music and wanted to be more involved. So it's, it's this idea of maintaining relationships and at the same time, being able to do something new and something fresh. It's that familiarity and newness all at the same time, I think is that common thread through all of the things that I've done. I want to come back to that, but I want to share a little bit of my journey because in some ways it parallels, in some ways it's very different. I really start talking about my journey typically as a freshman in college. And I was doing youth work on the Onondaga Reservation outside of Syracuse University, outside of Syracuse. And the University mascot at the time was a Native American and was portrayed by Caucasian fraternity brothers dressed up and playing for drunken Indians. <laughs> and I very quickly realized this was xenophobic. It was racist. I tried for four years to convince the university to change the mascot. I failed, took the Onondaga Nation about 10 years um, to win that. But this spark was ignited in me that I didn't recognize at the time. I got drafted out of graduate school and I ended up as a drill sergeant. When I got out of the service, I went back to Syracuse University and I was hired to create a living learning center. I then went on to the University of Minnesota where I was hired to turn around a moribund annual giving program. I then went into management consulting where I was working with 
uh, colleges and universities undergoing mergers. And then I was brought into a nonprofit where I was the CFO to help stabilize and, and create an infrastructure that would support it long-term and on and on and on. And what I realized at some point along the way was people going through change. That was the common thread for me. I could not sit and do the same job day in and day out. And I think what's important in comparing our two stories here, Tyler, is that these threads exist. There's a reason that we're attracted to certain jobs and not to others. A while ago, I did a, a, a podcast with a woman who was talking about the impact of changing people's jobs. And what she said is people are instinctively drawn to the work that they're doing. And when you're making fundamental changes to their jobs, you could well be disrupting that instinctive attachment. So I think there's such an important message in this to our listeners about really taking time to reflect on what is your journey? What has it been? What is that common thread? And even er evaluating the common threads of, you know, when you were satisfied versus dissatisfied, like what is the common thread to the dissatisfaction? Because I know that I can do certain jobs and it could be the exact same job technically, but what is it that confines it? Like I've tried being a safety manager working for another company and uh, rapidly failing at it and finding absolutely no satisfaction in that nine to five repetitious day in, day out with the same company. And I realized really quickly that component of newness and refresh is what's important to me, where my wife is the exact opposite. You know, she is a, a brilliant and gifted project manager uh, for large-scale construction projects. And she really likes she likes the newness of the project, but she likes the consistency of the systems and processes that she uses within this certain company. And there was a point where over COVID, she was laid off and couldn't work for that same company and ended up having to work for other companies that were technically on paper better fits for her. And she rapidly realized that they were outside of her comfort and outside of her expertise when it comes to utilization of some of these uh, processes. So she she needs the familiarity and the consistency where I am the opposite, where I need newness and, and, and refresh and I need the introduction of the unknown. She needs a constant. I think both of those realizations sort of when you're there and when you're not there are important. I want to tie this to sort of the last quote that I had read which is empower our audience on their pursuit of living their best life. What's the relationship between living into your passion and living your best life? I think in order to live your best life, you need to know what your passions are and continue to explore them and kindle them and allow them to be within you and, and help define who you are. Uh, I, you know, I even think of my mother-in-law when her and my father-in-law retired, she was an accountant as well and, you know, was a numbers woman and she, she explored very regularly, you know, the corporate world, but she had this, she and my father-in-law have very artistic pursuits. My father-in-law plays guitar, like he loves music. 
in his retirement. That's what he does. He's built a little studio in his basement. And she made him build her a shed out in the backyard for her to go and paint. And so, so she started to paint landscapes and uh, nature scenes. Loves horses as well. She has a, a very large equestrian background. So she paints a lot of pictures of like horses running along the beach, horses running in fields, horses with people and interacting. And she started to sell these. And what's interesting is that, uh, you know, now that she's showcasing a lot of her work in local galleries and, and museums, she's actually making a fairly decent income in her retirement, you know, has a really good side income that is actually like all a full-time income producing and selling her arts and displaying this in multiple areas just from exploring this passion of hers in art. And I can't help but wonder what would have happened if she had explored that during her quote unquote working years. You know, if she wouldn't have been able to refine and hone her skills and maybe even earn that same income that she was as an accountant, as an artist, and and not feel like she was putting in those 10, 12, 15 hour work days doing that. You know, I the word that always gets under my skin is the grind, right? If your job is a grind that that is a grating and wearing down adjective like why do you want something that is grating and wearing you down why do you not want something that is fulfilling and building you up and making you larger so that's why i think it's important to ignite those passions to ultimately to fulfill yourself and lead your best life tyler i'm sure you have encountered this i certainly have in my coaching people who say i don't have any passions <laughs> oh yeah yeah, it always makes me smile as it just did right now when I hear the phrase. And of course you have a passion. You know, even the people and I'm like, well, what do you do? Well, I just sit and watch television. Well, entertainment might be your passion. You know, my wife, I, again, I think of her and her creativity. One of the reasons she's such a good project manager, is she sees small details and everything. And when we're watching movies, it's funny because she watches it from a more technical aspect than I do. And I was in the industry for over 35 years and she will see continuity errors and i keep telling her i'm like you would make an excellent script supervisor or continuity advisor in, in film and television and because she sees it all the time and it's that she has a passion for precision and so you know it makes her incredibly successful in the job that she does do but could be applied to so many other outlets if she wanted to, you know, I, she keeps asking, you know, what would it be? How, how would I go about, uh, you know, designing sets or doing set decoration or placing some of this stuff? Cause she's always fascinated by the, the technical aspects of entertainment. So I promise people that if you really dive down, you have a passion, you may be afraid to explore that passion for whatever reason, maybe society has said that that's not a thing that you can make money or you can't be successful doing this or, or whatever the, the story that's in your head is. But I promise you, there is a thing that you are passionate about. If you sing in the shower, you probably enjoy singing. Music might be a passion. If you are constantly doodling, art could be a passion. And so when you say that you don't have one, what are the habits? Because your habits are a very clear indicator of what your passions are. How or do you convince somebody to give up the grind and pursue their passion? You know, it's funny. I just recently was reminded of this lesson because it's something that I was gifted without having to know for a long while. 
And that is, you know, what is the worst that could happen? Um, my friend Jess was having a conversation with me the other day and she was talking about, you know, she, she is now a coach and her and her husband spent a year driving in an RV, just cruising the United States. Uh, they're based out of Arizona now, I believe, runs an incredible business helping female entrepreneurs find their passions and, and grow themselves. But she wasn't always, uh, you know, a coach and an entrepreneur. There was a time where she was a teacher and she was listening to a podcast and another teacher was on and she was talking about finding her passions. And, and the, the host had asked her because it was a bit of a coaching podcast and said, you know, what, what is the worst case scenario? If you were to take the next year to pursue this thing, what's the worst that would happen? And the teacher said, well, the worst that would happen is, you know, it wouldn't be successful and I'd have to come back and, and teach again. And the coach said on the, on the call, so what does it feel like to be living your worst case scenario right now? And that was true, right? The worst case scenario was that she would be doing the exact thing that she's doing right now if she went and explored this thing. So what's the best case scenario? You find that you're wildly successful with it. So that's a question that I, again, I was able to um, know innately early on because at six, I don't know limitations. And somebody said, Harry, you can go do this acting thing. And if you, this acting thing doesn't work out, you can do this musician thing. If this musician thing doesn't work out, there's always these other things. Like I was exploring multiple. There was a time where I wanted to be a marine biologist. And it was only because I focused so much on the performance and the acting that I didn't actually continue pursuing marine biology, but I still got my scuba license. I still, you know, dive whenever I can. Like I love go, I love the ocean. It's one of the things that my wife and I keep talking about is, you know, finding, uh, either a vacation place or, or an actual residence and moving somewhere where we can be closer to the water because we both have a passion for the water. So that's usually that question that I will ask people if they feel stuck that they, you know, they, they can't explore their passion. Okay. Well, what is the worst case scenario if you do do this? And if the worst case scenario is what you're living now, you're living your worst case scenario. So why not take the leap and try it and see how it goes? At the very least, try it as a, as a side hustle. You know, do the thing, be it a, in an, an amateur in a production. The musical that I'm producing right now, we have a doctor, we have a lawyer. These are their full-time job is in, in very highly respected professional environments, but... They have this passion inside of them and this is their outlet. They're able to come and perform. And by the way, they're two of the best performers in the show. They're phenomenal with how they show up because it's an outlet now for them. So, you know, what, what happens if you pursue that a little bit further? And again, what is the worst case scenario if you, if you do it? And if the worst case scenario is what you're existing in right now, then it's entirely worth the leap of faith. Tyler, one of the things that I really love about this conversation is the positive energy that you just exude through talking about sharing stories with your passion, about your passion. So I'd like to, uh, as, as we head toward wrapping this up, talk just a little bit about story and storytelling. You've been storytelling since you were six, yeah. if not before. And as you were talking about your youth, you reminded me of how imaginative, how creative 
we were at that age and how much, again, so much of that is shut down for us. How can people take their own stories and use them to reconnect to their passion? Well, they can use their stories in a myriad of ways, including help finding their passions. And it's very similar to what you'd asked previously. You know, you have the people who say, but I don't have any passions. And you go, yeah, but you have to. You just have to. There's something that ignites you, that sparks you, or you would cease to exist. You know, without a, a drive to live, we, we honestly do atrophy and die out. Uh, and same with the stories. I hear so many people say, yeah, but I don't have a story. You know, and I'm guilty of it. When somebody reads my bio, you know, former child actor in Freddy versus Jason, door to door, Carrie, the musical ragtime, number one bestselling author, owner of multiple businesses, two that have failed, one that is wildly successful because he learned from the two that failed. You know, uh, all of these things, when they're put into a little brief or a bio or, a, you know, a quick submission, sound impressive. And I go, wow. I've led a pretty cool life, but because I've lived it, because I've, I've sat in it, doesn't seem exciting to me. I'm like, I, but I just did a thing. Like, I'm just, I'm just a guy. That wasn't exciting. That was, that was living. To me, it's kind of like when you sit in a hot tub. You know, when you first get into the hot tub, it's hot. And you're like, whoa, ha, ooh, that's, that's, that's a warm little bath that I've gotten into. And then you sit in it for a while and you acclimatize to the temperature of that tub and it ceases to feel warm until you get out of it. And then all of a sudden that cold air hits you and you are instantly reminded of just how much warmth had surrounded you. And then you get back in and then it's hot again. You're like, oh, so it is. And I think, you know, every once in a while we need to step outside of ourselves and look at it from a third person's perspective to understand that we have a story that we've led. In fact, we can do a quick exercise here, Brian, for all of your listeners, because I know there's going to be some. They're like, yeah, that's great, actor boy. You've been acting since you were six years old. You can say that you've had an exciting story. You don't understand my life. My life is boring. And I say, I do understand because uh, I thought my life was boring too until people highlight it for me. So what I would love your audience to do, it'll take a little bit of math in about two minutes. You can write this down if you, if you want. So if you need to pause and, and go grab a piece of paper and come back. But what I would love for you to do is take your age, however old you are, and round to the nearest five. Then I want you to take that number and divide by five. And what you'll get is five epochs in your life, time periods within your life. So for me, if I was to do this, I'm 43 I'm almost 44. I round to the nearest five, which is 45, divide by five, and I get nine. So now I'm going to take my life and I'm going to divide it into time periods of nine years, every nine years. Now, I know that there's going to be some A types who are listening, Brian. So they're like, ah, ah, ah. But if you do that, Tyler, you're missing like two years at the end and the math doesn't jive. And I want exact math because I am a numbers person. And so if you are a numbers person and you need exact math, Instead of trying to do it like nine point nine years and two months or whatever it would work out to be, uh, what I want you to do is if you had to round up to the nearest five, it was only one or two years. I want you to deduct that number from the end. And if you had to round down, and again, it was only one or two years, 
I want you to add that number to the beginning of the first epoch of your of your time period. So if I wanted to be specific with mine, I had to round up from 43 to 45. So I would take two years off of my last time period. So instead of looking at nine years, I would look at seven years. And if I had to round down, I would put those at the beginning years, mostly because we don't remember what, you know, our first year, year and a half of our life. So we're going to give ourselves a little bit of buffer to kind of remember nine years of our life. And then because our most recent time period is probably the freshest in our mind, we don't need to go all the way back nine years uh, or eight or seven or 10 or 12 or 15, whatever yours happened to be. We So we will, you know, take that off, off the end. So now you have these five time periods, even time periods in your life. And what I want you to do is I want you to look back at each one of those time periods very quick, take no more than 20 or 30 seconds while you do this. And I want you to think to yourself, for that first time period, what is my most significant memory? If I think of me in that time period, what is the first thing that springs to mind? And then do that again for the second, for the third, for the fourth, and the fifth time period. No more than 20 seconds. It should be the thing that springs to your mind, that pops instantly into your head. Shouldn't take more. Those memories that you have, those five memories that we have now discovered are your stories. Those are those connective tissues. Those are those milestone markers in your life. If you have multiple memories, great. If you're really, really honestly struggling, like if you're like, no, I don't have a distinct memory from that time period for whatever reason, don't dwell on it, but you should at least get three or four out of this exercise. When you do that, that will give you those stories. Now, if you want to do a really fun exercise beyond that, start exploring why. Why are those important to me? If you want to look at it from a passion's perspective, what, what does that say about who I am and what I follow and why I do the things that I do? Really start to explore the whys within that. And that will start to inform your stories of why you are what you are and who you are. And that's where you start to see those common threads within your passions, within your pursuits, your behaviors your habits, all of those things will probably be informed by those key trigger memories, those milestones along the way. Hilo, what a wonderful way to end this conversation. I made notes. <laughs> I've got some thinking to do. <laughs> well, I was I was glad that I could contribute. And if I've made you think, Brian, then that's excellent because I know when I listen to conversations, it always makes me think. So I guess it's it's my in-kind gift to you for the gifts that you give everybody else. Sean Tyler Foley, thank you so much for this conversation. And thank you for having me on, Brian. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs>